Welcome back to the 16th Street Scanner. I'm AJ. That's Tyler. Tyler, how are we doing? It's been a minute. Yeah, I'm, it's good to be back, man. I'm doing good. Doing good. Good. Well, yeah, we're we're going to cover the Gallagher Grand Prix. Um, we were gone last week. Well, I was gone last week. I took a little vacation. Um, we did record a podcast, but by the time we would have gotten it out and edited, it was after qualifying had already taken place for this weekend so (laughs) we figured it was best to just throw that in the vault lock it away maybe we'll throw that out there as a bonus episode when we're huge and famous but um for now that's gonna stay deep deep on my hard drive and (laughs) who knows maybe we'll we'll hear from it again someday but yeah anyway we're gonna talk about the gallagher grand p grand p grand Grand prix and we're gonna touch on nashville a little bit because i feel like it's still relevant but um yeah i don't know if you caught it live or not tyler i was at the race this weekend uh i thought it was great what did you think i thought it was a lot better than the race that i saw there (laughs) the the gallagher (laughs) grand prix that i went to um i mean it was pretty fun i i didn't watch it live i watched it uh you know on replay uh but it it was you know i knew i knew it was going on i couldn't avoid the spoiler Mm -hmm. and when i saw scott dixon got the dub i was I got to say, I was a little shocked. I didn't think he was going to pull it off. But when I think back to it, think back to what Ganassi's doing, maybe it makes a little sense. Uh, and we'll get into that later. But I was kind of shocked to see him up there. I'm not quite sure what that means. But for those of you that didn't catch it, Scott Dixon won, beat out Graham Rahal in a dash to the finish. Graham was kind of the dominant guy all day, was the guy to beat. Um, and then Pato came home in third, rounding out the podium. Um, some other notables, Christian Lungard finished fourth, Alex Pillow finished seventh, um, huge championship implications. I will get into this later. Um, but Joseph Newgarden finished 25th, um, after a first lap wreck. And then just another, just a quick shout out for Linus Lundquist finished 12th driving for Meyershank, continuing to fill in for the, uh, injured Simon Pagano. So a uh, good performance from him, but yeah, I don't know. I, th- that, that last stint um, with Scott Dixon kind of on the alternate strategy, saving fuel um, and Graham trying to run him down. I mean, I don't know what else you want from a road course race. Like that's about as good as it gets for me. I could see that, you know, uh, it it was, it was interesting that they were talking about strategy so much. I saw during uh, qualifying, they put out like a little, you know, tire, uh tire temp or like the two strategies and win percentages and stuff yeah the i feel like yeah yeah exactly thank you um but i feel like that just kind of went out the window at some point um and they were talking about dixon early on you know they're mm-hmm. like he's still in this he's still in this uh and 
no, I feel like people weren't paying enough attention to him until, you know, the, the back end of the race where it became clear that he was competitive. Well, you could tell that he was going to be in contention just because he kept cycling to the front. And mm-hmm. so being at the race, I don't know if other people find this helpful or not, but like when you're there in person, I tend to just try and like find, like follow the leader each lap and kind of pay attention when they're coming through, who's behind them, who's ahead of them, whatever. Um, and Scott Dixon kept cycling up to the lead. So I kind of felt like, you know, I didn't know exactly what strategy he was on, just listening to the PA and watching the video board. But you kind of could tell that he was in the mix. And if things fell the right way, it might turn out that Scott Dixon was leading because he was involved in that first lap rack, which, again, we'll talk about later that caught up Marcus Armstrong and Joseph Newgard and Romain Grosjean. But um, and also Scott Dixon, Scott Dixon spun out. Everyone's calling it the spin and win. I don't know if I buy into that. You probably don't have the context for that, Tyler, but um, the spin and win. Yeah. So in 1985, Danny Sullivan spun and then. No, I do not have this. Won the Indy 500. It was like one of the famous ones. Yeah. Um. Anyway, um, I can't remember where I was going with this, but I mean, you could tell that Scott Dixon was, you know, it was going to the wind was going to go through Scott Dixon at some point. And um, yeah, it was just. You know, it was one of those classic Scott Dixon races where he just essentially pulled it out of his ass. Yeah. You know, and you, you people have been talking to me about Scott Dixon. I, I mentioned it in the early episodes. Everyone was hyping him up. And then I feel like Polo just dominated. Mm-hmm. It didn't really. He wasn't really on my radar. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't get me wrong. I can see like the value and the excitement in it. But mm-hmm. someone who's coming into the sport, he's, you know, like, it, it's cool that he still won it. Like, is who's the oldest guy to win? You know, he's got to be, he's got, uh, he's, I mean, maybe not the, in the conversation, but he's, he could be at some point in his career. I think um, it's Mario Andretti. Yeah. Just yeah, for the record. Sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, like, like for me, I don't think this like solidified my understanding of who Scott Dixon is, mm-hmm. but I at least got to see a flash in the pan. Yeah. Well, it was interesting because he was like the only guy on that strategy. And it really only happened. I guess I don't know if anyone else tried to make it work, but I mean, he was really only on that strategy because he got spun out and sent to the back of the pack, you know, and maybe if Joseph Newgarden had gotten through, maybe he would have tried something like that. But everyone else there, there was the, the tire strategy, what, you know, what compound are you going to throw on? But it seemed like everyone by the end of the race were on reds. Like yeah. reds was clearly the preferred tire. Um, So there wasn't like a huge variety in that sense. There was like some difference in those middle stints. Like I know at one point Graham was on reds or Graham was on blacks and Lungard was on reds and Graham was able to manage the gap and keep the lead, even though, you know, Lungard was on the preferred tire, but um. Yeah, it was just interesting that like he was the only one there. And maybe, like I said, maybe he was the only one who was capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, yeah, it's just the classic Scott Dixon. So I'm glad that you like kind of get the hype now. I'm not going to say, if, I'm not gonna say 100% I get it. But I don't know if anyone else could have done that, though. Yeah. Well, because I mean, he had to save so much. And I think back to the GMR in May. 
And it was kind of the exact same thing with Graham Rahal, ironically. Like he had a flat first lap and then had to save the whole the whole race. Had to save fuel, try to do it on one less stop. And like he had a great race and it was a great drive and arguably the best drive of the day, even though Pelot won by like 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. Um, But he still only finished ninth. And the fact that Scott Dixon was essentially able to pull off that same strategy and win the race, I think says a lot about what kind of driver Scott Dixon is and what he's capable of and how like, it's not like Graham's a bad driver. Like Graham clearly can find speed and has speed when things fall his way. But like things didn't fall his way for Scott Dixon this week and he still won. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, um, do you think that if Graham, do you think Graham getting held up by some of the lap cars makes a difference? I think it does. Unfortunately. I mean, it wasn't like huge, like Ryan Hunter Ray. They were talking about that quite a bit. Um, so I was sitting at, (laughs) I was sitting at the end of the backstretch that complex from seven is the like 90 degree left-hander. And then there's the quick right is eight. And then the quick left is nine. Mm -hmm. I was sitting. If you go that little small stretch between seven and eight, if you just kept going straight, I was sitting right there on the mounds and you could see the gap closing the whole time, but you could tell that it was maybe only a lap, but you could tell that Graham could have closed up even more if Hunter Ray wasn't there. Like you could tell he was getting held up. And again, it was only like a lap, but who knows? I mean, the the margin of victory was half a second. Yeah. And that one lap could have made a half second difference. It could have given Graham at least one chance to make a, like a late lunge at it, you know? Mm -hmm. How do you feel about lap traffic and the way IndyCar handles it because it's way different than F1 and pretty much everywhere else. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. You know, (laughs) it kind of makes it a little bit more interesting uh, when like they're, they're like, Oh, he's got to get on the radio, talk to them, try and get them out of the way. Uh, (laughs) And like, (laughs) you know, explaining like, you know, if people are going to get blue flagged or not. Um, I, I, I didn't really mind it, you know, Uh, if anything, it just made the story better. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting perspective on it. Yeah. I mean, I'm a noob, so I'm probably wrong. (laughs) Well, (laughs) no, I mean that like, I, I don't mind it, but I feel like that might just be because that's what I'm used to. Like I grew up watching IndyCar and I don't know. I I feel like it'd be, it's almost the opposite. Like when I watch F1, I'm like, why are these guys just pulling over for the leader? Like they're going to lap down. They should fight a little harder, you know? (laughs) So it's, I don't know, it just might. When I'm, when I'm like the little kid playing with the Hot Wheels, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like I don't care if I'm a lap down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try and race. Like, that's all you know. Uh, so it makes sense to me in that regard, I guess. Yeah, but like, it's still a competition. You want to be respectful of your other competitors. And we saw at Mid-Ohio how everyone felt about <laughs> Benjamin Peters. Yeah. So, where's he been? Where, where's Ben been? He, I don't know what happened to him. I don't think he like, he, like he got fired up off the line and he didn't come out. He was like four laps down immediately. 
Okay. So, yeah. Because like I totally blanked. I just remember at like you know at the end of the race, I'm like, yeah, where was? <laughs> I think he essentially ran a private test. <laughs> That's essentially what happened. They paid for the tires. Might as well use them. I think that was <laughs> that was <laughs> what his day was like. But yeah, I don't know. I. Yeah, I, I don't think it made a huge difference, but it could have, I guess, is where I kind of land on it. I don't think it need, it's like it's a cause for concern or that they need to change anything about how they handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked to have seen Ryan Hunter Ray move over faster. And like I I was yelling, like, get out of the fucking way, <laughs> you know, like move over. There's a guy next to me in a Bobby Ray Hall shirt. He was he was all in for Graham and he was not happy that there was some potential interference going on. Um, so I don't know. Like it, you, you, you could tell that it was making a difference, but again, yeah, not sure if it really changed the outcome, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'd like to go hang with that guy uh, at a race. I like people get fired up. Oh, um, he was, he was all about it. He was having a great time. It was just like him and his wife or girlfriend or whatever. And like, he was, rooting grandma on every every lap at one point he stood up and he was like blowing <laughs> he's just bought, like trying to help him yeah help him along him. which i respect that he's got <laughs> his guy he's doing everything he can to make an impact that's amazing yeah that's good for him yeah yeah well one thing i did think of uh during the race or even after i guess is like after every race they talked to dixon about polo he's <laughs> like well it's his season you know <laughs> it's his season uh, and then after the race today, they talked to Polo and he's like, well, you know, finishing the race was really important <laughs> well, because I, he knew, of the championship. Sure. I get that. But like, yeah, sorry. I'll let you react to that. Well, we can get to this more later, but I do think because I want to I want to still talk about Graham just because this was kind of, a, you know, I feel like a watershed moment for him in terms of the season. But mm. in terms of what you're saying. I think for Polo, when Newgarden immediately went a lap down and then very shortly after that went two laps down, it was essentially if, as long as he finished the race, he was making up points mm-hmm. on Newgarden and he was extending the lead. And like, that's all he really needed to do. He didn't need to take too many risks or because like Dixon oh, yeah. isn't really a threat at this point. Dixon won. And it's yeah. still 101 points back. So not having anything disastrous happen and just managing that gap to New Garden was what was most important. And obviously that played out because Pelot finished seventh and the championship is essentially over, <laughs> which yeah. we can talk about that more later. Which, which gets me to the, the main point I wanted to make. Is, is there any way that Ganassi felt so comfortable with Pelot's lead that he that or that he like he's a like he's the guy doing this no um and you know this is probably way more orchestrated than it actually is uh but like do you think they shift resources at all to try and make sure that Dixon nah no <laughs> no and like I mean he the only reason why he was on the strategy he was on I mean who knows if it had played out differently if he'd gotten through maybe he still would have tried this strategy like going like trying to save gas and 
he technically didn't do one less stop than everyone else, but he kind of did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the only reason why he did that was because he was involved in that incident. You know what I mean? So like if he's on the same strategy with everyone else, he would have had to just beat everyone flat out on pace. And that probably wasn't going to happen because Dixon started 15th. Like that's where he qualified. And like Pelo didn't quite have the speed that he did in May either. Like Pelo started eighth. So I think I they guess... needed to do something different to win. And it just kind of lucked out that what happened allowed them to do that and not really have any downside from doing it. Yeah. I guess part of my question would be when like Chip Ganassi or is his team set like, you know, like the pit crew that works for Polo is Polo's guys. And then the guys that work for, you know, Dixon or his guys. I think for the most part, I think they can like move guys over if they want mix things up a little bit. Um, so if like if, they'll do that at the 500, if like one guy goes out and like the fuel man on the car that's out is like the best fuel man they've got, mm-hmm. they'll like move them over to the other crew for the rest of the race. But it doesn't really like, you know, well, like, I don't know if they do that a lot race to race, like, mix yeah, because I feel like there's a chemistry to it, too. Like, it's oh, a real 100%. team, you know? So I don't know. And like Pelot doesn't have the chance. Like, yeah, it's pretty much over, but he doesn't have it locked up mathematically. No, no, not mathematically. So, but like you still can't do anything to risk that. Yeah. So I'm just I'm I'm just trying to think, you know, if I'm chip and I'm trying to maximize my team's potential, I think I would be making these moves where I'd be putting my best fuel guy on the car that I want to win, for instance. But maybe, I mean, but maybe if you're that's... Chip Ganassi, you want all your cars to win. You know what I mean? Like Scott Dixon was in third in the championship coming in this weekend, and like it's it's kind of a you know something to brag about if you finish first and second in the championship. Absolutely, yeah. Even so, more of a reason. But you still need to win the championship to be able to do that. So like you just gotta like yeah, I think. They're they're probably investing more in Dixon and Pillow than Erickson and Armstrong, mm. just because. Well, yeah, Armstrong and and Erickson are technically pay drivers, you know, and it's kind of always been that way at Chip Ganassi. Like back in the day, Graham Rahal actually drove for Ganassi for a year or two, um, and Charlie Kimball was another pay driver um, that ran for Ganassi for a, a good while. Um, and they just like those two cars never were on the same level as the nine and 10. And like, that's just kind of how Chip Ganassi racing has always been set up, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I just wanted to explore that a little bit um, because they're the leading, you know, they're leading yeah. guys. And I'm, I'm just curious. I don't know. Well, how it's not like works. F1 where they can like, they come to the track with updates to like the arrow package or whatever. Yeah. Like yeah, only yeah. have enough parts to give it to one guy or whatever. Like that doesn't happen in IndyCar, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there isn't really anything like that that they can, you know, put their thumb on the scale, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. Well, we should get back to Pillow, but I do want to talk about Graham because I thought it was, I mean, he basically did everything he had to do to win. And just it didn't work out, <laughs> you know, how did you feel 
sitting there watching that, knowing like probably the best car today isn't going to win. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that that statement. Because uh, I, I, I don't get me wrong, I feel like Graham was the fastest or the mm-hmm. best. Pato was pretty fast in some regards, but he's just like that McLaren uh, just sucks in terms of strategy and figuring out how to win a race in general, I think. Um, I mean, he took third, but uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what happened to Felix. He didn't finish. Um, no, like he finished. No, he uh, he had a uh, gearbox problem, I think, is what oh, they said okay. in the broadcast. I don't know. OK, Um. But but, Ro- uh, but Pato finished third, Rossi finished fifth, and like Rossi was chasing down Graham there in that first stint. Yeah, don't give her. Yeah, I just feel like Graham. Graham had a great race. I was really happy to see it. I think we all were. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like Dixon just that made a lot of sense. You know, like yeah. there was skill in Dixon, and like Graham was gonna win on strat. I don't know. Yeah. Well, who do you think had the better drive, Graham or Dixon? Scott Dixon. Yeah. 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 I feel like that 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 much was clear to me. Um, I being there in person, I'm not sure. I totally agree with that. Because like you could see that Graham had it under control all day, mm-hmm. and how fast he, I guess it wasn't like really fast, but. There was a, at one point, it was like 20 laps left. It was after the final pit stops. And that was when it was clear it was going to come down to Graham and Dixon. And Graham was going to have to try and chase him down if he wanted to win the race. And again, this was like 20 laps left. I had to go to the bathroom. I had to pee so bad. Was this but a confession? He, well, no. <laughs> Don't box me into a quarter like that. <laughs> <laughs> I did not want to leave because I was like, if Graham chases him down, I want to be here to see it. I don't want to risk missing it, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, it was probably an eight second gap or something like that. It was a big, big gap to make up, but he chased him down. Like he got all the way there and that's not easy in 20 laps to, even if the guy in front of you is saving fuel, and doesn't have the fastest car to still close that gap from eight seconds over 20 laps. It's not like yeah, these are super long laps either. You know, like that was, it was impressive and I don't know. It made for a very exciting race. And yeah. I mean, Graham still finished. He finished seven and a half seconds ahead of Pato. Like Graham was driving his butt off. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like, if the roles were reversed and Dixon was in the situation that Graham was in, do you think Dixon could have pulled it off? I don't know. Cause I, I know. feel like Dixon is very, he's more conservative than a lot of other guys on, on the grid. He is. And I, I feel like Graham had nothing to lose. Yeah. Like, I mean, you saw him after the race, like he was bummed. He said, what did he say? I'm bummed, but I'm not bummed or whatever. I'm not bummed, but I'm bummed. I can't remember exactly. Just, something like, yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> what order it was in, but I mean, you could see it. He was definitely, he was that that's like, you know what he's saying? Look at his body language. A guy is, <laughs> he was pissed off at the yeah. people leading the, uh, the lap cars. And like, you could see the frustration. So, you know, certainly well, yeah. cared. And for a guy who hasn't won since 2017, I mean, he hasn't been on a podium since 2021. 
Like second doesn't really matter, especially after the year he's having. Like second doesn't really mean a whole lot. If especially after you put it on pole, had the fastest lap of the race, led aside from the laps where Dixon cycled out, like he was in control of the race <laughs> and the seven laps that <laughs> Devlin <laughs> led it to be all under yellow. Um, but yeah, like second didn't matter to him, you know? No, I, I don't think so. Yeah. And like Dixon to answer your question, like Dixon had a lot more to lose and I think Dixon would have been fine with, yeah, I'm just going to take second, get my points and you know? Yeah. I mean, I still wanted that. I mean, who doesn't want to continue that streak? Uh, true. 19 so, years in a row with a win for those. Yeah. There's something, know. I think there's something at least in the back of his head. It may not be front of mind since he already had like the record, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, every driver wants to, like, I don't think you get to this level without like doing anything you can to win, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you know, like you don't, you don't become a six time champion by like racing for second, <laughs> 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 but like he, he, I think what he does better than anyone else is he knows his limits and like he plays to his strengths and I can't really think of a situation where Scott Dixon has made like a bold late pass for the win. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's always been the guy who's like managed his gap, saved fuel, won on strategy, been consistent. Obviously he's fast. He's won a ton of polls. He's won like five polls at the Indy 500. Like he's a fast, Mm -hmm. like he's fast. He is. He's not like willpower fast, which, (laughs) Should we talk about Tony Gwen, Ken Griffey Jr.? <laughs> we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. That's that's saved in the vault, right? No one actually heard yeah, that. That one's getting okay, locked good. away. Yeah. Good. But like he knows his limits and he understands what his strengths are, and he always goes, he always follows that. And that's obviously his has been what has made him so successful and has given him 54 wins over the course of his career. Yeah. Which is second all time, by the way. I mean, consistency, I think is key. Uh, I'm an accountant. So of course I'm going to say that, but uh, like once you have that consistent base and makes it, I, I can understand how he has stayed around for so long. Yeah. Um, So it was pretty exciting to watch. I just, you know, I was more impressed. I mean, Graham had a great day. They both had good days, but like yeah. Dixon won. So to be honest, I'm more impressed with him just coming from where I am in the sport right now. Yeah, no, I get that. I've never seen, I've, I've seen the downs for Graham Ray Hall. I've never seen the ups. So this is probably as close as I can get. Yeah. I mean, there haven't been a ton of ups <laughs> for Graham. I feel like it's been, these like very specific peaks and a lot of valleys like deep deep valleys because he he won in like his first IndyCar race after coming after the the merger from the split and then didn't win again for I think it was until 2015 so it was like seven years and then he won twice that year and then won three more times 
in the next two years and hasn't won since. So it's not like, you know, it's been gangbusters for Graham. Granted, he was with Chip Ganassi for a couple of years and like wasn't in like a real Chip Ganassi ride. And then has been with Ray Hall Letterman since. Yeah. I mean, first one, it's been a top ride. If he got his first one in six years, then I'd be like, holy crap. Just saw something cool. Yeah. Um, I know. I was bummed that I wasn't there in person to see it. That would have been very cool. Yeah. I noticed you said, so you think he will get another win? I think so. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, do you think like, obviously Ray Hall Letterman is Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan is starting to get the like road and street course package figured out. Yeah. All we've got left are, well, I guess we do have an oval, but we have two road courses, like two permanent road courses. And one of them is Laguna Seca, which just got repaved. So it's like as smooth as can possibly be outside of Road America, which was also repaved this year, which granted, I don't think Graham had a great day there, but um, outside of Indianapolis, that's probably like the smoothest like purest track in terms Mm -hmm. of surface. So I would not be surprised to see him even Lungard too, to contend at Laguna Seca and Portland too, for that matter. So yeah, I I can see him getting a win. You know, RLL, those guys are my boys. So I'm here. I'm here for all the love and I hope they do well. Uh, I, I really wanted Lungard to win this race, uh, especially considering how fast he was uh, in qualifying. Um, you know, that clearly wasn't in the cards after whatever pit stop that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see, did, have you gone back and rewatched the race? Not like, have you, have you seen what happened? I did. Yeah. Um, like how often does that happen? Cause it, like the, the gun what? got caught. Wait, are you talking Santino where the... oh, that's Santino? Sorry. I'm yeah. Yeah. I'm mixing them up, but one guard. Yeah. He had a different. Well, Lungard had like a long stop, and I, I yeah. think it was like the fuel was a fuel guy. Get it in, yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that happens. I mean, yeah. if you remember, Graham at Mid Ohio was up there and had a long pit stop, and that kind of took him out of podium contention. So, yeah, I mean, that's Santino Ferrucci. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's AJ Foyt racing. That's <laughs> <laughs> like the level of uh, I don't know. You know, everyone makes mistakes, but there's a certain standard I think you should be held to. Um, yeah, yeah. There, I think there's two ways to say everyone makes mistakes. Like there's the generic everyone, and then when you're referring to AJ Foyt Racing, it's it literally means everyone. <laughs> everyone is making mistakes. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I remember watching that and be like, "What the hell is going on?" Um, which makes their Indy 500 performance all the more impressive. <laughs> kind of same. It, same I mean, it, it's always been a shit show, at least the last like 20 years. Oh, man. But it feels especially bad. Yeah. This year. I noticed uh, to get back to a, a team that actually matters. Uh, Ray Hall, Otterman, Lanigan. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh I I noticed the Lungard uh, after his post race comments. Uh, normally he's kind of like, you know, kind of generic. But this mm-hmm. time he said he was very specific and he said he disagreed with their strategy and that he wished he had followed Rossi's. Um, 
And I wonder, you know, what kind of conversations are happening based off of that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, like after after his uh, botched pit stop, I feel like that was such an easy thing for him to pinpoint to just be like, I'm in this post race interview. They like they kind of led him to that point. They're like, do you think this caused your race to be bad? And he was like, no, nah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the strategy was fucked up. Um and I, I'm I'm just curious as to like his level of content with that team. Um I mean he won like three races ago. Like I know. Yeah, you should be excited. Yeah. If he's upset with the team, I think that's a him problem. Like I don't it didn't come across like that. I don't want that to be I don't want to misconstrue his words here. Um, well, and I I do think obviously a botched pit stop is not great, but I mean he finished like less than a second and a half behind Pato. He wouldn't have yeah. caught Graham. That wasn't going to happen. No. Um, that pit stop would have made a difference. That would have put him on the podium. Like, uh, you know, yeah, yeah it's it fine to be upset with that, but that also happens. Um, I don't think like going to a different tire than he wanted to or stopping a lap later really made that much of a difference because he also finished ahead of Rossi. (laughs) (laughs) So like it couldn't have made that much of a difference if he was worried about Rossi undercutting them or whatever. I I don't know. Remember, I don't remember exactly what he said. I'm trying. I I hope it's Rossi and not Rosie. (laughs) Uh, But um, yeah, no, I think it would have to be Rossi. Yeah. Uh, but my my point is ultimately is that like is a driver you don't have all the information like on the stand they're seeing the lap times Rossi is running they know like what they can afford to do and if they think that they need to stop exactly when he stops like they'll know and they'll probably want to pull him like bring him in beforehand <laughs> you know yeah. Yeah. like get ahead of it and they didn't and they you know, they pit a lap later to cover it and it worked out fine. So I don't know if, if he's unhappy there. Yeah. I get like, I don't think I, I get no sense of that, by the way. No, I don't unhappy. But it, it was interesting. Cause I did see someone on Twitter being like, well, he threw the team under the bus or it was know. kind of, it was kind of a weird response. It <laughs> was, I agree. Um, Just the fact that like, this is a PR thing. You just got out of the car, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> Like you could you could easily just say the thing they told you and then go take a shower. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he's you know, it's those Scandinavians. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast. And, it's a different world over there. They've got he, they've got know, different priorities. I, I appreciate the passion though. So yeah, I do too. I know I think it comes from that that source. So well, and I think that's good. And I mean Graham's kind of like that. Like if you know. Oh yeah, Graham was <laughs> If something, you know, if there's something that's bothering him or something he thinks isn't right, he's going to say it. And I mean, maybe that's from hanging around with Graham. Like, it seems it seems like there's generally like a good team environment there. It doesn't seem like, you know, except for Jack. Well, not, but I mean, they like, well, yeah, I mean, they Jack did. isn't like doing a whole lot to help carry the load. <laughs> but like, it seems like Jack Harvey and Graham Rahal like actually get along very well. Oh, and yeah. Good friends. And like. On on Friday during qualifying, Lungard was like the first guy to, you know, like Graham wasn't even out of the car and he like came over to like 
you know, congratulate him. Yeah. So like, I do think, you know, and if you, if you're fine with Graham, I would guess you're probably fine with the rest, <laughs> rest of the team. Cause I mean, I, I, he, I think has kind of an outsized role compared to drivers at other teams, you know, probably. Um, what, what do you mean by that though? Like, could you, what do you think his role is? Um, well, I think Graham is, is obviously his dad owns the team. So yeah. <laughs> like he's got a different relationship with the owner than everyone else. Yeah. Does. Um, but I think Graham does a lot of work trying to bring in sponsors and like finding these commercial partners because Graham has like a big, he's big on the business side too. Like he's so Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan just built this huge new shop where they're housing the IndyCar team, but also the BMW program for IMSA, like the factory program. Graham is building a new facility right across the street for, he's got a performance shop called Graham Ray Hall performance. Um, he's a Ducati dealer. Um, I think they're putting in like a bar and restaurant and stuff. So he's got like a ton of outside interests. You well, that's know? pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so like he's, yeah. you know, and I think that his evolved from his involvement in the business side of Ray Hall Letterman and like finding these sponsors and, you know, like th- they've always been one of the teams that have had the most, like they've never really seemed to have any trouble finding yeah, One day. he's not he's not just a driver. He's wearing a couple of different hats. Yeah, that's yeah. the sense I get. Obviously, I yeah. don't know that I'm not part of the team. I've, I have no inside information. No, but these things wouldn't exist without certain, you know, things happening. Yeah. So. And like he's also I mean, he's his last name's Ray Hall. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> like, means that carries weight. Yeah, yeah. For a lot of people, especially like some of the old timers who, you know, used to watch any car when it was the major form of motorsport in the u.s and bobby ray hall was one of the guys i mean he he was sponsored by miller for like 10 years like you'd walk in the liquor store and there'd be big posters of bobby ray hall so like people know the name ray hall it's up there mm-hmm. with andretti and foyt not quite there but close yeah so yeah no um so we we haven't quite touched on alex we've talked we talked about alex because you have to talk about alex every race yeah <laughs> Because it matters. Um, well, we might not have to here pretty well, soon. Yeah, maybe. That's, um, he finished seventh, right? Yeah. Uh, for me, going into this, uh, seeing where New Garden finished in Nashville and where Powell finished in Nashville, mm-hmm. championship Which, is already over in my mind. And by the way, Powell finished third in Nashville and New Garden finished fourth. Sorry. Yes. Which is kind of enough but um yeah just not enough you're not you're not gaining points at all mm-hmm. uh so like for me the championship was over going into this race like uh i feel like plus pretty much got it locked up granted i haven't been around as long as you guys um <laughs> and i'm sure crazy stuff happens but like it seems like if i were a betting man <laughs> um that's where i put my money well, I think if he leaves Gateway, which is the next race, and that's on August 27th, so we got a couple weeks here, but I think if he leaves with, I think technically the max amount of points you can get in a weekend is 54. So if he leaves Gateway with a 108-point lead, like it's over with two races left. Yeah. So, yeah. Very, very possible. <laughs> yeah. Scott Dixon 
is going to have to do a lot of damage <laughs> this weekend. He's basically going to have to take out Plo on the first lap. Yeah. Well, we can call up Benjamin Peterson again, you know. Yeah. We, we got a guy. <laughs> I mean, he, so far this year, he's been the only guy who's really been able to hold off Plo for any amount of time. So he, <laughs> he would be the guy to call. <laughs> Do you does that take away from the rest of the season from here on out for you? Or like, can you shift your focus into kind of these are the individual races and not really think about the championship? Um, You know, it might if the silly season uh, was like finalized, but knowing that Polo, I think it's still at I mean, we're recording August 14th. I think it's still possible that he can make that jump to F1, right? Um, who, I mean, who can road, say the what? road to that is less clear? <laughs> I, no one knows anything at this point other yeah. than he's not going to McLaren. <laughs> I think that's all anyone knows now. That's the um, only thing you can definitively say. But yeah, you, do you get what I'm saying though? Like if I, like, I feel like he's either, you know, he's either going to F1 or he's staying at chip. That that's where my mind is now that may not be right, but um well i did see the galaxy brain take i saw was that he's signing with andretti (laughs) for when andretti's f1 program gets approved well maybe (laughs) and then he's gonna go to f1 with andretti that's what i mean a whole new that was a higher plane i did not know could could be yeah that that kind of makes sense too i guess uh (laughs) but yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, you know, I don't think it takes it to, it, it, if anything, the fact that it is Polo leading and he's kind of owned it all season already, like, I found a way to make my own fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's looking at, you know, like, who's getting second, who's having a good lap, who's having a good qualifying session. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more to keep my eyes on. Um mm-hmm. And it kind of puts me at ease. I don't have to do all the math in my head about like, <laughs> you know, what's going on. Cause I remember early on in the season, I was like, okay, it's hopping around a little bit. What are the potentials? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's interesting that you say that he's like had it under control for most of the season, which it does seem like that, but he didn't win until like the fifth race of the year, <laughs> which is wild <laughs> to think about. You I know. Mean, yeah. It's just like his May performance was so dominant. Um, well, it wasn't even May. It was June, really. Because that's, yeah, he was good at the GMR. And yeah, he was good at the 500, but he didn't win. And then those next three races were all June and like early July. That's when he rattled it off. That's when he like put it in a chokehold. Yeah. You know, it just it just feels like it's been forever. <laughs> <laughs> I know, which is oh. weird considering the season started in March. And that was like a month and a half ago that things really, really changed. Yeah. So I there's still stuff going on. Um, you know, if if you're if you're chip right now, mm-hmm. um, who's who's your side chick? Who are you talking to about what, filling that role? I saw this on the notes. What does that mean? I don't I I know what side chick means. I don't know what you <laughs> like I don't understand <laughs> what you're asking. Who who do you think is gonna get that spot if Polo leaves? Well, I don't think Polo is leaving. I think 
I don't think he's going to F1 at this point. Yeah. I don't think that's happening. Okay. Because I think we would know about it at this point. I think there would be some in the fact that through all this shit going on this weekend and this week that he's split with his management team and mm-hmm. is back with Roger Yasakawa, who you don't know, but he's an old Indy car racer. Um, I do know him. He was on the post race show talking to Polo. Oh, not cool. on, not on camera. Where well, not like mic'd up. But yeah, I mean, oh, well, they like okay. talked about who he was and stuff. So yeah. Oh, well, okay. I didn't see that, but I think Roger Yasukawa used to be his old manager, right? Did they mention that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the fact that he's not with Monaco, whatever I can't mm-hmm. remember what the company was called, that kind of had some sway and some contacts in the F1 paddock. The fact, the fact that he's not involved with them anymore tells me that F1 is, you know, out the window. I can't remember where I saw this. It was probably on Twitter somewhere. But someone was speculating that maybe Honda, it might have been Nathan Brown, actually, from the Indy Star. I don't want to say that definitively, but mm-hmm. um, that maybe like Honda is involved and are because they're now involved with with because Honda is now involved with Aston Martin. Yeah. That maybe Honda is footing the bill for whatever chip is paying Polo mm-hmm. to stay, which as you've talked about and is, has been reported that it's a huge number. Um, Four and a half. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a half. lot in IndyCar it, terms. Yeah, no, it is. Um, That maybe they're going to like, keep him in the fold to slot in when Alonzo retires. Who knows when that will be and if that's actually real or plausible, but yeah, and I think Alonzo's Alonzo's uh contract was 3 years when he signed. Um I don't know when that was. <laughs> um but uh somewhere recent. So I mean like it's not super long obviously, but um, No, but that's this is his first year at Aston Martin, right? Or is it his second? It's his second? It, I, I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm You're supposed to be the F1 guy on this podcast. I, I dropped off of F1. <laughs> okay, I don't got, got enough time for all this stuff. Uh <laughs> yeah, it is his first year. He's been it's with Alpine the last two years. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, Alpine, Aston Martin, you know, same. <laughs> but that that same does day. If it is a three-year contract, then that means it'll be three years from now when Alex Blow is getting into an F1 car, which seems like a long way out for seems late. to be like, you know. Yeah, like think of all the young talent you're going to get in those three years. Yeah. Um, To potentially put in that spot. Yeah. I mean, Blow is only 26. I feel I like he's older than that. But like the these guys are like, you know, like 18. <laughs> 19, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we talk about Graham being old. He's 34. <laughs> <laughs> We're closer to his age. Yeah. Then, then, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> um, okay. Well, I, yeah, I was just curious, you know, if there's, if there's an up and comer, uh, that chip would, would be looking to slot in or maybe, you know, hanging out with on the weekends when Pillow is out of town. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming this means Erickson's gone because I doubt Chip's going to pay Polo and Erickson and Dixon. Yeah, um, I mean, unless he is getting Honda money, right? I still don't know if that would happen. 
it still yeah. feel like and i feel like that might be i mean honda might be paying some of the like foot and some of the bill for this but because i think they like honda did that with alexander rossi um to keep him at andretti for a couple more years um that was several free agency cycles ago but you got to think i mean i don't know what lungard's contract situation is like he might be in the mix um david malukas is leaving coin he might be up there i mean marcus erickson little dave and we we might get to well hopefully we'll get to this at some point here but linus lundquist i mean i think he's proven himself um yeah yeah i it's funny when you mentioned him yeah no uh when you mentioned him i was like Oh yeah, Meyer Shank. <laughs> and I had to remind <laughs> myself it's Tom Blumquist, the guy who didn't make it past turn one. Well, Lundquist has been driving. He's been he's the one that's been filling in for Pagano. There's the two. Well, there's three quists. Tom Blumquist is the guy they signed. Yes. Yeah, that's what I mean. They didn't sign Linus. Oh yeah. Even though Tom was. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm <laughs> kind of confused now, too. <laughs> there's too many quests, dude. There are, there's way too many. Do you think Felix ends up staying at McLaren? Like, I feel like that's well within the realm of possibility now. Maybe he's shown signs of life at times. So and it's like if everyone else at McLaren was performing super well, I would mm-hmm. say no. But like even Colton is kind of like not been as competitive as you would expect for a mclaren driver yeah so yeah i mean part of that might not be necessarily colton's fault but well i think that's what they're looking at i don't think they're looking at felix and being like oh it's all your fault like (laughs) you're saying we got we got problems and it's not all you so maybe it makes sense to keep you around yeah so we figure this out (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it probably wouldn't hurt consistency i feel like always helps and I, th- I think Pato likes Felix from what I can tell. I feel like anyone would like Felix. Seems like. Yeah, a- probably, you know. Um, and uh, so what What team hasn't won this year? I mean, obviously there's been a few. but Hasn't won? Um, yeah. Well, McLaren. McLaren. Um, Dale Coyne. Ed Carpenter. Ed Carpenter. Who goes? Meyer Shank and Meyer Shank. Yeah. Okay. Um, and Foyt. And, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that, I mean, that kind of goes without saying, but <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if McLaren, they seem like an outlier at that point. Uh, those other guys, nothing against them. They're just not, uh, are those other guys running four cars? <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. I, so. I do. I do feel very vindicated just from how I've been feeling over the course of the entire year about, the narrative around McLaren being one of the big powerful teams. And here we are. <laughs> They're still not performing 13 races in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they get a win in the last, in the last few. Um, if they did, it would probably come from a, like a Pato one-off kind of thing. Yeah, probably. He's been their best driver all season, I think. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's interesting thinking back though. I mean, Pato was probably the best car has best driver at St. Pete and Texas. Like, yeah. Imagine how differently this year goes if they close out and like St. Pete was kind of a fluke and 
Texas, I mean, he had a lap on the field <laughs> and still didn't win because of the way yellows fell and, you know, how the whole thing. Yeah, it was that he No, we all watched it happen. <laughs> but hey, when you got to you got to finish the deal. It doesn't doesn't count. Agreed. Agreed. Um So, this brings me to the next question I have then. If I was I'll just say this, if I was Zach Brown, I would feel like I have no control over like your lineup. I feel like this is a huge fumble and uh I was super happy that Chip Ganassi put out a statement. <laughs> I thought he was calling Zach Brown for what he is. Uh, and that stuff happened. I'm sure that stuff happens all the time. It's not just Zach. But like, as a person who just entered this sport, this is the kind of like backstory I love. <laughs> um, you love the drama. I you love just, this. Like You live for it. I I certainly do. The drive to survive in me and you guys, all you hardcores hate me for it. I this totally fine. Um, the drive to survive like fan in me was like, ooh, I just did like a you know. Why do you hate Zach Brown so much? I don't understand it. You know, I think it's uh it's, it's hard to say. Um I just don't like the way he carries himself. I mean, I get that. Like he does like, seem he acts like, like you know, he knows everything. And both yeah. of his teams suck. Like, well, well I mean, I they don't, don't suck, but like, they're not performing to what they should be. And he's the one guy at all of this. He needs to share the wealth of responsibilities because it's, I think, like, you know, I know it's obvious he spends more time in the F1 paddock. Yeah. But like, there needs to be less of him in IndyCar. I think it, it, just because, like, He's got too much going on. <laughs> I don't think he's really too involved in IndyCar. Like you see him at the 500 and I well, mean, why he put is out his the name coming up? Because he's like the guy who runs the company. I don't care. Like Michael Andretti. I mean, yeah, he's at the IndyCar races because that's what he cares about. Yeah. But Michael Andretti has more going on than Zach Brown does. I don't know if you realize that. Well, right. I believe that. I believe Andretti's that. got. The IndyCar team, they've got a Formula One or Formula E team. They're trying to get the Formula One team off the ground. They've got an Extreme E team. Now he's got his fingers into a NASCAR program. Like he's all over the place. And I don't know if they still, they used to have a rallycross team. Like he is spread so thin. I Michael Andretti is the guy that you think Zach Brown is. <laughs> yeah, but Michael Andretti has like, you know, six kids doing stuff in the background that I can't even name them all. Um, he has, I think he has three kids, and one of them is Marco Andretti, who is like his job is lifting weights and like flying on private jets and hanging out with Ludacris. <laughs> That's all Marco Andretti does. <laughs> and I'm like, saying... yeah, one of them's like a teenager, and I think I think his daughter is involved in the company. That's I, this is getting way too specific, but what I guess what I mean is like this is kind of like when I'm watching a show and they just. You know, you're watching Family Guy or whatever, and like all of a sudden the Futurama characters start popping up, and you're like, "Get out of here! I don't want you in my, you know, I don't want the Futurama and the Family Guy to mix." Sometimes, I don't want to see Zach Brown around this. I was ready to cut F1 off, <laughs> and I feel like it's still pulling me back. I don't think you need to cut F1 off, and I, I like, I don't think, I. 
it's not like Zach Brown showing up isn't like Futurama character. Zach Brown showing up in IndyCar isn't like Zach Brown, like Futurama characters showing up in Family Guy. It's like Frazier showing up in Cheers. <laughs> like it's a spinoff. You know what I mean? Like I if Cheers is the F1 program, Frazier is the IndyCar program. Uh, let's get that. Let's fix that. Cheers is the IndyCar program. Okay. Let's, let's it depends right. on who you ask. I mean, I like Cheers a lot more than Frasier, but. Uh, but Frasier is the spinoff of Cheers. So IndyCar yes. would be. Uh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. In terms of his history. Yeah. So it's it's different than like, it makes sense that he's there. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean. Like, he's, he literally runs the company. I just literally don't care for him. I hate him. I, see, I, I I get like he does kind of seem like and it's just like this stuff has happened with him. You know, I feel like I feel like he they're trying to they're trying to poach and it just didn't work out. And now he's got to sit there watching Chip Ganassi cash another championship, baby. Well, I mean, um, he was going to have to do that anyway. It, it, like that didn't change because of what happened this no week. but he was waiting for the divorce papers to get signed well yeah and sometimes people go back that's <laughs> that happens and i think this says this says more about alex pillow than it says about zach brown because I think all, my takeaway sucker from, i don't think he is because he also did this to alpine in f1 like he did the well not the exact same thing but like Oscar Piastri wasn't yeah. supposed to be at McLaren. He did the exact same thing. That That's what I mean. He tries and, and he, but, I'm, but Piastri, like if the guy is available for like, is can sign a contract. Well, F1's a whole different. Well, I know, I mean, but like contracts, contract. And to me, like, like I said, this says more about Pelot than it says anything about Zach Brown, like Pelot and all of this comes across as a scumbag. No offense. I don't get that, you know. My, my boy's just trying to get paid. Uh, I think it says that Zach didn't offer him enough money or a real opportunity. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean the whole Oscar Piastri thing too, and I mean that kind of closed the potential yeah. F one seat off from for at least the foreseeable future, which was kind of scummy on Zach Brown's part, but. I just think Zach's a sucker, you know, um, and he didn't put his money where his mouth was. Uh, I don't know. I, well, he did. He did offer enough money because Pelo signed the contract. <laughs> like Pelo is the guy breaking the contract. Pelo broke. But like, we don't know what conversations are happening behind the scenes. There's a reason Pelo cut change, you know, cut ties with the management company. Um, But like, I think it's because he's a scumbag. I think that's what it is. <laughs> Maybe the management company didn't know what they were doing. I don't know. I, They're trying to play I, both sides. How can Maybe. you trust Polo at this point? If you're a team other than, I mean, even Chip Ganassi, I feel like Chip probably doesn't trust him either. Oh, probably not. But you pay him enough money and you sign, you get him to sign the dotted line for long enough. Then like, you can probably put some trust in that relationship. And that's know. what Zach Brown said. Well, Zach Brown didn't put enough money on there. <laughs> I think that's what it comes down to. 
This guy's right. got like this guy's got like a limited time to make as much money as he can. So I'm I'm all for him. I, I no, I'm like that's fair. But the the guy signed a contract. Like if you sign a contract, you're legally obligated to fulfill that contract. That's what a contract is. But he signed the contract before. Like was that one even? I don't know. We don't have to get. Into that. But um, I didn't know you were an anarchist, Tyler. I'm not an anarchist. I just think that like that contract <laughs> might have been voided already anyway. Um, yeah, who knows? I it's hard to say without anything. Yeah, like you know. without knowing these details or like For talking sure. to a lawyer or something. Well, and uh, Nathan Brown had reported this because he got the because of the court case last year, he saw the contract for Alex Pillow with Chip Ganassi Racing. And I think there's like technically Pillow wasn't allowed to sign a contract with anyone other than Chip Ganassi until like September 1st of this year. That makes sense to me. (laughs) There's speculation that maybe Ganassi waived that as part of the terms of the settlement. Okay. And so he had potentially signed an actual contract, a binding contract with McLaren Mm -hmm. and is now breaking that contract. Well, so this is all speculation. There's no, it's not, it's not speculation. It's been reported. Okay. Which well, I feel like is a very specific and important clarification. Yes. I will need to read more about this, especially as more information comes out in the next few weeks. Um, yeah. And maybe like, maybe this off season, I'll just have some time <laughs> to just, just read Nathan Brown article after Nathan Brown article. I don't know if I will believe anything Alex Pillow says about where he is driving next year until he is in that seat taking the green flag. Yeah, I won't believe it. That's fair. Like, I have no trust in the guy, and I don't know how, as a business owner and a team owner, you would be willing to put your trust in that guy. Because, like, there's no way Roger Penske would sign this guy now. No way. As good as of of a driver as he is, there is absolutely no way. And like, that's one of your top teams. So, and now McLaren's gone. So it's basically Andretti and Ganassi. Those are your top team options if he wants to stay in IndyCar. There's no way McLaren would ever sign him now again. No way. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. So so like the guy is either going to F1 or he's going to be with Chip Ganassi for the rest of his career. Those I feel like are his two options now. Yeah, for sure. Until he's washed up. I don't know. It just yeah. it seems very short-sighted. All right. <laughs> well, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree on Zach Brown. Zach Brown is, yeah, no, I mean, I'm not disagreeing. Well, I am disagreeing. I, I have my thoughts about Zach Brown. I will continue to think them. Um. <laughs> it's got a little out of hand. <laughs> well, should we talk to Joseph Newgarden? I, I'm kind of sad. I don't really want to. I mean, I'm not sad. I like I already grieved. I guess like once I, you know, once once Polo didn't crash into the across the bridge in Nashville, <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> this is over. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I feel like the championship was was already out of his grasp. Uh, you know, the obviously the stall. Uh, stall after after the crash uh, didn't help, but if that felt like there there was no no way he's gonna get out of that. No, well, I mean he had to shut the car off because he was literally like 
Yeah. Get ramped up. Yeah, but they were trying to start him up again, right? It was like a whole thing. They had a certain amount of time. Well, the the front wing was like wedged underneath the car and they were like trying to because that happened like right in front of me. And you yeah. it was it was interesting at first because I couldn't tell right away who it was that was like caught up. And the the whole field had moved by at that point. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't like, you know, gather who it was via context clues based on who wasn't there. And so it was a very slow realization, like, oh, damn, that's Joseph Dugarden. And I thought like the like I thought he would have been done for the day. Like, I don't I my thought was he's like the car is toast. Yeah. Yeah. So it was and then just to see him sitting there waiting and like not knowing when the rest of the field was going to come by. That was. I don't know. And like just the longer it went, the you know you knew, like he's gonna go a lap down. It's over. And then yeah, as soon once, as... once they went down, it was kind of a moment. You know, I was like, all right, there they go. Yeah. But like I already like in my mind, I was like, this is doesn't really matter anyway. Um, no, too little, too late. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like, I mean, he kind of needed to win, and he didn't really. I mean, the car was. It didn't seem like it was there. So, yeah, I don't think he would have had anything anyway, but you never know. I mean, Dixon didn't have the best car and he won. So, yeah, that's fair. Could have thrown a Hail Mary on strategy. Is this is this where we, you know, mark his grave or do we mark it at Nashville? Um, I mean, I guess. Yeah, I would say here. I mean, I he's clear like he's obviously the favorite for Gateway in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, like I think he could still cut into the lead. He'll still get a could still get a win, you know, that still get excited about that. Yeah. I but. think he could extend it to Portland, maybe. I think that's probably the, <laughs> the best case scenario <laughs> at I this mean, point. Even if he sweeps all the ovals in an IndyCar season, that's still pretty damn cool. So Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I do want to again point out that I said that a long time ago. So <laughs> wanna go on the record that I saw I had the vision. I yeah. had the foresight to to predict that. But yeah, I don't yeah, know. No. I mean, if if Polo, I mean, stuff can happen on a short oval. Oh, for sure. If something uh, goes wrong, like it did for Newgarden this weekend and Newgarden wins like everyone thinks he will. I just feel like he knows. Polo knows what he has to do at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, in an oval, there's, you know, there's things yeah, there's you, stuff that are, you can't can't control. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, it's I mean, it's over <laughs> for all intents and purposes. It's over, but I'm still clinging on to a little bit of hope that it will at least be interesting. I'm pretty sold. Um, I'll, like I said, I'll find my interest elsewhere. Um, <laughs> well, I'm glad that you can, you know, find some enjoyment just race by race. That I mean, tells me that you're really actually enjoying. I am enjoying what you're watching. I think it would be better if there were actual competition, but, um, you know, nobody, no season's perfect. This is just how explodes thing. So yeah. I'm willing to accept that. Uh, and like as someone just getting into the sport, mm. I gotta say, everyone was like, this ain't like F1. And then it, it well, <laughs> see, it's not like, F1 it's not now. like F1. You keep I agree. saying that and it's not like it at all. It's some, there's been a dominant driver. Um. Yeah, is but he you, winning every race. No, 
but you've had this is what now the seventh different driver to win yeah right yeah, probably when is the last time you like you had seven different if like if you counted back who was like the seventh last winner in f1 i have no idea dude it's gonna be like sebastian vettel <laughs> yeah in like 2020 like it would have been a long long time ago because i mean this year it's been sergio perez <laughs> and max obviously yeah and like it was max and sergio most of last year outside of george won a race right i think so um yeah yeah so yeah. i mean it is different it is different don't get me wrong i'm just well and i was thinking about i was thinking about that as i was sitting at the race on saturday like mm-hmm. think about how many different drivers are a threat to win week in and week out you don't get that in f1 no no but the championship has been wrapped up is what i mean that's the conversation i'm talking about well yeah but i mean that's but I, what i'm saying is that like that's why it's different like Alex Pillow, he could win out, I suppose, but like he probably won't. And like in F1, yeah, the championship's over, but like no one else is going to win a race in that last stretch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. other than Sergio Perez, unless something catastrophic happens, mm-hmm. no one else is going to win a race. And that's that is uninteresting and <laughs> uncompetitive. But like even though Alex Pillow, has the championship wrapped up. I mean, look at Graham this week. Like that is a story in and of itself. Like Graham Rahal being in contention to win an IndyCar mm-hmm. race and like doing it like pure performance wise being in contention to win. Like, could you say that about Esteban Ocon? Um, could he do that? No, any no, week? Not. No, yeah. exactly. So it, it's not the same at all. It really is not, even though, Someone is running away with the championship. You got to remember, this is the first time since 2005 that the championship will be decided before the final race. Yeah, kind of kind of crazy. What grade were you in, Tyler, in 2005? Fifth grade, watching the White Sox win the World Series. <laughs> I walked into that one. <laughs> yeah, you did. It's, a, it's burned into my memory. Um <laughs> Um, I'm gonna push back on that every time you say that, just so you know. I mean, I'll keep pushing it. So we're like, gonna have the same exact conversation every week for the rest of our lives. Well, until next season, maybe. Um, true. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we should talk about Andretti Autosport a little bit because we should talk a little bit about Nashville because Kyle Kirkwood did get his second win of the season. Yeah, that Nashville. was pretty pretty exciting. Um, yeah. You know, uh, any any specifics, uh, any good takeaways on that Kirkwood performance? Well, would you have thought that whatever 13, 14 races into the season that Cal Kirkwood would have Andretti's only two wins this year? Yeah, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, definitely not Kirkwood. Do you think Kirkwood is the top driver at Andretti right now? I mean, he's driving like it, but uh in the long run probably not i mean like like we you know part of this stuff is just luck part of its circumstances but like he certainly has the seems like he has the capability he definitely does yeah i I do think 
he has what it takes to be a top driver in the series. That's that's the impression I'm getting. I think he still has some consistency to figure out, which ironically reminds me of like Colton Herta. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely think he has what it takes. But so you don't you think Colton Hurt is still the top dog at Andretti right I th- now? I think so. Um, because Colton is just like I don't know. Maybe it, I'm obviously biased because I like Colton, mm-hmm. but uh, who doesn't? Yeah, I just feel like I feel like Colton has had so many good moments, and then so many other moments where like he came close to winning, but something messed up just happened. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's just not your day, bud. Yeah. Um. So, like, it could very easily be Colton. Yeah, but it's just not. Yeah, he's not the top driver right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, two of those. I mean, think about how drastically the championship would have changed if exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, if he had pulled it out at at Road America and Mid Ohio. Yeah. This would be. This would be yeah. a lot different than F1. <laughs> yes, it would. I would agree with that. I will agree with that. <laughs> um, you know, there is another Andretti driver that had a real good, oh boy. Real good qualifying. Yeah. Our favorite <laughs> Irishman, Devlin DeFrancesco. The wee lad from Montreal. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly uh, where. That's I a can't, good question. Or is it Quebec? Um, Somewhere in Canada. Somewhere in Canada. He's not it's really all Irish, the same, but he sounds so Irish and he got the worst interview uh, I've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> after a like insane performance by him. Uh, it was just like, boom, five seconds done. Um, was was that the pass of the year so far? I think so. I mean, well, that was pretty dang good, man. Uh, and it happens right away. <laughs> which is like the craziest (laughs) part. Um, It was certainly the riskiest pass of the year, like the riskiest that like paid off. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. Yeah. Kind of crazy how it, I, I, I'm not going to lie after that pass in the yellow uh, and and he dropped back, you know, after leading a couple laps, like I, I lost track of him. (laughs) He just slowly fell back through the field. Yikes. Like he just didn't have, pace really like he he i think he got a good jump on the start and yeah you know i mean it took graham what like a lap and a half to get him back again yeah yeah it was real quick yeah uh just how does that happen then (laughs) just qualify really well yeah i think he probably put together a couple good laps and i mean like your car can be different you know Mm -hmm. you can you know the weather was different the temperature track conditions change yeah. Like Friday, there hadn't been NASCAR out on track yet. And then Saturday morning, Xfinity was out there running practice and and um, qualifying. And then Cup was out there after that. And they're on different tires. I mean, they run good years, so it's different rubber. And they do say that that kind of affects the level of grip and like mixing the tire compounds like that kind of can change the way a car handles. Because mm-hmm. like also the feeder series for IndyCar and the road to Indy. They have all used Cooper tires for a long time. Yeah. So that also has always kind of played a role, but like, I think it, you know, they kind of understand that a little better mm-hmm. uh, and can, that's a little more predictable just because that happens week in and week out. Um, 
So who knows? I mean, I'm not saying that is definitively what it was, but like he clearly just didn't have the the pure speed over the course of a full stint. Like yeah. Some other drivers did. And yeah, I mean, it's not like that wasn't to be expected. Nah, <laughs> like I'm not surprised like, he finished. I was it. hoping I was hoping for a top 10 finish, to be honest. I was hoping I was to figure figure that out. Um. Because yeah. uh, it seems like it's been rough for him. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if like he really, I mean, he's got a budget and I think that's kind of the primary reason why he is in the ride he's in. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like he was fine in Indy lights, but he never won a race. He won a couple races in Indy pro 2000 a couple years ago, but 2021, he finished sixth in the championship, which, you know, good, not great for yeah. a feeder series. Yeah, exactly. Like, you, know. you were all right. Yeah. Um, so the other, uh, the other Andretti. Well, I do uh, want to say, hold on. Yeah. I do want to say, I do think that was the pass of the year so far on, on the start there from. Yeah. I mean, I could, I, first. I, I understand that argument, you know, I just to like, be fully educated for that take. I did go back and watch some highlights and like, there wasn't really anything I saw from the races earlier this year that stood out to me at all. Like that did. So I can say definitively that was the past of the year so far with your vote. Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitive. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, anyway, anyway. Was um you were you were busy getting started on trashing someone. Yes, I was. Was this Romain Grosjean's biggest moment in 2023? Well, again, what does that mean? Trashing. <laughs> well, this was this it's, one wasn't his fault. And like no, he still got going. I mean, he's the guy who hit Newgard. New no, Newgarden locked up. New he didn't he hit Marcus Armstrong, but he didn't hit Newgarden. You sure? I'm I'm fairly confident. Okay. Because Newgarden was right behind Santino. And yeah. Santino like dodged it at the last second and Newgarden locked up and just ran into Armstrong. I'd have to go back and look, but I thought I thought Grosjean might have clipped him. No, because um, Gro so Newgarden came in and like ramped up the front mm-hmm. and Grosjean came in and just like speared him in the back, like right in front of the, the right rear tire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, didn't help him. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, he finished 18th. So, yeah, yeah, another okay. bad performance from Romain Grosjean. Uh, not sure why he's in this sport. Um, and we I can move on. I think it's time for him to <laughs> give it up. I think uh, I, it's impressive how he drove himself out of his seat. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> like pretty again, pretty definitively. Like, I think. Five races into the season, it was a sure thing that he would be back with Andretti. And I I cannot see it happening at this point. I don't know why you would if you were Michael Andretti. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's it's a waste of a seat. Uh, <laughs> it seems like it, right? There's so many other guys you can call up. Like, I don't want you to hold back, Tyler. I want to know what this, you really This think. isn't going anywhere. Like, no, it, I totally agree. <laughs> 
I don't think he's at, and maybe he's a really good, like maybe the yelling at the team thing works and like there's improvements across the team because Romain Grosjean crashes the car, gets out and yells at the team. But I, I think doing this week in week out doesn't make any sense. And it's like <laughs> beating your head against the wall and expecting I, Romain to finally pull it off. You you're preaching to the choir. I, t- I totally agree. I, I, yeah. I, I don't know why he's still in the seat, to be totally honest. <laughs> like, well, I guess, I mean, I do. If Jack and Harvey's I'm still sh- in his seat. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure Romaine is a nice guy, but like. I'm not totally sure about that, but. I don't like seeing the same things happen over and over. Yeah. In a, like, I don't know. I just, can't, I don't understand it. And maybe someone somewhere will spill some beans and I'll get some information, but. The thing that frustrates me is like, that's a good ride. Like, yeah, <laughs> someone could be in. I mean, it's a good funded ride too. like DHL has been on that car for a long time. And maybe the only reason they're still around is because it's Roman Grosjean. But they were with with them for a long time with Ryan Hunter Ray. Yeah. And I it's will... not like Ryan Hunter Ray is a household name. You know, like my F1 friends, they'll be like, they'll like they they care about Roman Grosjean still. So see, I don't. I don't get that, but I like, don't understand why F1 people like Roman Grosjean. I don't know either. I mean, it's because he almost died. That's that you can like you can feel bad for him, but that doesn't mean yeah, you yeah, like yeah. him. You also can question his judgment. To <laughs> that, that, if there's anything that makes you question someone's judgment, it's crashing a car 200 miles per hour and then moving to a more dangerous form of autosport. Um, yeah, so. I, I don't know. I don't know. But people like him. So maybe he is bringing in something. Yeah. Well, so speaking of taking up a ride, do you think Linus one Linus Lundquist is maybe in contention for either a ride at Andretti if things shake out that way, or uh, maybe even in that 60 car at Meyer Shank? Like, do you think he's done enough to earn a ride next year? I think he's definitely done enough to earn a ride. He's been like, decently impressive mm-hmm. uh and i i was shocked you know i think we mentioned earlier i was shocked when meyer shank signed tom blunquist um i'm not i'm not totally shocked by that well i was shocked that he signed before i thought i would have thought they would have gotten minus like well technically blomquist is like already part of the team because he's yeah. signed for the sports car team so like it was an easy yeah he's already you know Part of the, yeah, he's already think, in the fold. Do you think Meyer Shank has already approached Linus with a contract? Like, hey, and he's just fielding other prospects. I don't know. I I would be shocked actually, at this yeah. point. Um, I think it probably depends on what the future holds for Simon Passionow because I could see it. W- I don't think it would be the worst idea for Meyer Shank to have a rookie like Tom Blomquist paired up with a veteran like Simon Pagano because, you know, I'm, I'm sure the learning curve is somewhat steep, even though like the GTP category in IMSA is, I mean, that's like real racing, (laughs) you know, it's not like he's coming from Miatas or something like that's high Mm -hmm. level, like top of the line racing. So I think he's more prepared than most people would be making the jump to IndyCar. 
but I still don't think it would hurt to have Simon Paginot. And like, yeah, Simon Paginot was not having a great year up to this point, but I feel like he still has a wealth of information to provide. And also, I do think he was maybe hampered by dragging the dead body of Elio Castroneves along with him. <laughs> so I think things could change dramatically next year for Meyer Shank with Tom Blomquist. I think it would be, it'll be a good. Yeah. Well, I like Pagano. I, you know, I think keeping him around. Yeah. Like you said, would make sense. That's right. He was your championship pick. Yeah. Even if you have someone just to help set up a car also. Yeah. I don't know if I could have picked a worse, you know, like every, <laughs> you know, everyday driver for the championship. <laughs> no, I mean, you you could have picked Benjamin Peterson <laughs> or Connor Daly. I think Con- yeah. Connor Daly probably would have been the worst pick, but probably no I offense mean, to our colleague, our, our fellow podcast host, Connor Daly. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, anything, anything you got to add to this one, man? I feel like we covered Gallagher pretty well. Yeah, I mean, anything from Nashville that you wanted to talk about? I mean, were you disappointed that it wasn't a total crash fest? Uh, don't you dare say yes. I don't know if I was disappointed. I don't okay. think so. I was like, I was shocked that it it turned out so well. Um, I thought it was a beautiful, like, probably one of the most scenic races I've seen from IndyCar. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited that they're going to go to Broadway next year and you know, you'll get a lot of like attention. Um, but like, yeah, it was, it was a pretty good race. Pretty fun. Um, yeah. So like I, it, it didn't feel like a down and out, you know, like it felt like there was more to it than let's say Detroit, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. I don't, I just, I don't get your disdain. Detroit. I don't understand it, but I do. I, from your perspective, I do understand like why it would be frustrating to watch a race like that. And if Nashville had played out like it has the last couple of years, I could, I mean, it was frustrating for me watching the last two years. But the thing I love about Nashville is that, like Iowa now, like the Indy 500, like St. Pete to some extent, like it feels like an event. You know, like it feels Mm -hmm. like a big deal. And I think IndyCar, like you have said multiple times, needs more of that. And I think that can be a good model for the rest of the schedule, the rest of the tracks on the circuit Mm -hmm. as to how they can make their race an event, like a big deal for the city they're in. Yeah. Um. And it's just encouraging to see IndyCar try something different, especially making it the finale. Um, I think IndyCar has maybe kind of fallen behind F1 and NASCAR in terms of like going out on a limb. And this is, it's not, you know, it's not a huge risk. There's already a race there. It's already kind of established, but, and they were kind of forced in, <laughs> into it because the Titans are building their new stadium. I don't know if they would have done that by. Yeah choice but but to be able to pull it off and to get that section of broadway is no easy task oh i'm sure that's um, probably a pain in the ass so it, it's it's good that they're like trying to make it the best that they can yeah and i i gotta say i've noticed the i know this is at the end of the show uh but like the production i feel like has gotten better throughout the year i agree um 
I don't, they're making these subtle changes uh, that add up. So I, I don't know. I've been pretty happy with it as of late. What What did you think about the drone shots? I was all I love, in on the drone shots. Love the drone shots, man. And, you know, uh, there were, you know, pit crew guys with the GoPro on their helmet and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there was some cool stuff that you could tell they're doing, you know, they're doing something. <laughs> uh, so that that's cool. That's good to see. Part of me wonders is, if it was because NASCAR was there and they had like a few more toys to play with. <laughs> probably that probably has something to do with it. I'm sure Na- the NASCAR production budget is way higher than the IndyCar budget. So I feel like it might, you know, regress to the mean a little bit. Yeah. Gateway. But um, I mean, going from Nashville to, to the Gallagher, I was like, wow, you know, this is, this has been pretty sweet. Yeah, well, uh, they did have some cool, some cool shots in Nashville too. Especially, there's like the um, on the section across the bridge, like the downtown side, up at kind of the top of the loop there. Mm-hmm. They had the camera kind of angled, looking up into the skyline. I thought that was yeah. Really cool. They need more of that kind of stuff. They need more static cameras. Um, they need to make it. I've said this before. They need to make it more cinematic. That's what makes it cool. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I do. I do have one constructive criticism. Uh, for Hinch and Townsend um, respectfully you guys are like color guys you're you know analysts I wish they would leave the play-by-play to Lee Diffie I don't know if you've noticed that or not it's been yeah, they're all jumping in yeah yeah they're like calling the passes and stuff that's not your job like yeah I mean I get where you're coming from Um, it doesn't bother me as much it's only when people are trying to there's one diverging thought and then someone else comes in with the play-by-play uh and i'm like wait wait what was that and <laughs> it's like well, it's a lot of jumping around so well, i know but if you're watching a Sox game mm-hmm. and i don't know say yoan mancata hits a line drive into the gap and steve stone is talking about who knows what does he just be like, like in the middle of whatever he was talking about, does he just go and that's a deep drive into, you know, like no. the right field gap and, you know, he's going to go to no, he stops and leaves it for Benetti, right? Yes. Yeah. So what's the difference? Or he'll kind of mute it a little bit. I'm like, oh. you yeah, know. I mean, granted, <laughs> it depends probably when the game is, what the score is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there might not be any change in conversation whatsoever based on what um, happens. these days. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just wait till September, Tyler. Yeah. You're um, in for some interesting conversation, but I don't know. It's just been, it's slowly been getting on my nerves throughout the year. And I just wanted to point that out so you can start to be bothered by it too. So I'm not alone. I mean, it kind of bothers me. It does it sometimes feel like I'm getting hit over the head mm-hmm. with like all these voices coming in. This guy, this guy, this, yeah. um, you know, uh, yeah, but like, it's still, it's still good. Uh, yeah, yeah. I have other thoughts, but I need to think on them. I need to sit on them. No, you just throw them out there. No hesitation. I, I, I don't want any second thoughts, Tyler. Well, like I could, I could be wrong on some of this stuff. I want to get it right. So. I'll come right or wrong that. doesn't matter. Okay, like does Lee Diffie do the on track interviews or do they all do them? What do you mean? Like before the race, uh, 
Like, I mean, usually it's like the pit reporters. Right? Yeah, that's I I that's something I I paid particular attention to this time. Um, I would like a two man booth and then a guy on the ground. Well, the, I mean, they do have so they have the three. They have the three man booth and then they have three guys on the ground. Usually don't like it. I I need. I'm, so you'd I'm only want you'd I only need three guys total. And yep, I need personalities. And when you have six, you would get near the information if you only had one guy on the ground. Uh, because they each cover like a section of pit of the track. Yeah. So like the first third is Kevin Lee. The second third is Dave Burns or whoever, Marty Snyder. Mm. Um, and then the third block is Dylan Welch. Shout out Ball State. Chirp, chirp, baby. I just feel like I need to get more attached. Maybe, maybe it's not a criticism of the structure of how it's being done, but I, I need to get more attached to Lee Diffie and Townsend. Cause I'm not going to lie. I don't know who Townsend is. I don't really care right now. And that's a problem because he's one of the main guys. <laughs> um, Do you want me to provide some background or do you just want to keep on flying I would know, like blind. for I would like for them to provide the background. So you don't want me to say anything? Well, no. The thing is, like, it's just too much. Like, I I need to focus. I need them to focus on on well, the presentation. That's part of what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that like I think I think we're saying the same things, but I'm just providing a solution that might or like a a different insight into it. I think having two color guys helps. I think that's a good thing. I think they need to stop blurring the lines. Like they need to understand when to stop. And because they're both drivers, they're both former drivers. They're not like trained broadcasters, you know? Yeah. And like, I think Hinch is very good. Townsend is good. Not great. I I do like Lee Diffie. I think there are some people that don't like him, but I think he is good. I love how excited he gets. Like he's yeah. very clearly enthusiastic about what's mm-hmm. going on. It doesn't help when like you have three different guys calling actual on track action. And so, I, yeah, I do think we're saying the same thing. And it just like blurs the lines between what each of them does and what they bring to the table, because like Hinch is not a play by play guy. And when he's calling play by play, it's clearly like not good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like that's going to diminish the overall product. So yeah, yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying. I I just need some differentiation, you know. Yeah, like the color guys and the play-by-play guys from baseball, I can tell them apart. Mm-hmm. They have this interaction. It's kind of like sitting down with a family member every. And granted, I see those guys a lot more than I do. Yeah, you, know? you have 162 games. Yeah, but like I, I don't get that, you know same experience uh here and i don't i don't don't know if i got that in f1 necessarily either to be totally fair but uh you don't like crofty and brundle i like brundle um and i I do like crofty uh but like it didn't it felt more like a a presentation (laughs) yeah than like hanging out um yeah if that might be lost in translation from the british folks but I think they're looking for a different thing. Yeah. Are. 
also like sorry british people but like i just i confuse you like all the accents mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah <laughs> it just once once one of them is talking i it could be all of them you know i get so, no like british and scottish okay well that's a little different um but like i don't know i don't are this you, thing, are you I talking no like idea. regional english dialects is that what you're talking here we're going down a rabbit hole well, I know, but I'm curious. If, like, you have a very specific thing now about English I, dialects. I just don't know. Like, yeah, English dialects. Like, I, I dude, y'all sound the same to me. Um, most of them, like England, Britain, proper, not the UK. I'm not sure if we want to get into geography here, but England. So, Britain is the island, which includes England, Wales. In Scotland, this England is, is way too deep. Own I don't need to know this. I don't need to know this. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, we'll take this offline. <laughs> all right. I want to hear your best British accent to close us out. Uh, I'm Lee a... Diffy. <laughs> but see, he's Australian. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about race wise, broadcast wise? Nah, I'm good. I'm good. All right. Yeah, I'm good, too. All right. Well, this has been the 16th Street Scanner. Uh, feel free to reach out to us at 16streetpod at gmail.com. That's 16streetpod. Uh, you can tweet at us at 16streetpod as well. Send us a DM. We got the, you know, the mailbox open for you. Um, if you like listening to us, please, you know, leave us a review. If you have any constructive criticism, that's totally welcome. If you have any negative, leave it at the door. Send us an email. We'll figure that out um and subscribe if you really want to support us uh so thanks everyone for listening that's uh the best thing you can do and uh shout out to penny wishes for our intro and outro music bye three two one Who's gonna win it?